A statement about what is going on in Portland, Oregon. Darklands will return next Sunday with Season 1, Episode 5, Part 2 of Murder in South Park. Today, I need to talk about what is going on in my city because it is terrifying, and no matter what side of the political spectrum you may find yourself on, the events occurring here should sound the alarm about an appalling abuse of power from the very top of our government structures all the way down. I want to take this moment to acknowledge what is going on in my city. This is a true crime podcast dedicated to events in a specific region, the Pacific Northwest. There are many true crime podcasts that report information and try to remain apolitical or opinion neutral, which is great. This podcast seeks to look at the confluence of events that lead to the crimes discussed for context. That means looking at social, political, psychological, and many other factors. I don't believe things happen in a vacuum, divorced from their surroundings. I have beliefs and opinions about the events I discuss on the show and about what is happening around me in the city and country in which I live. I understand if this is not your cup of tea as a listener, and it is up to you if you want to proceed with this mini-episode or to tune out and come back next week to hear about a crime that has already occurred instead of one that is currently occurring as I type this. There are a ton of great true crime podcasts out there of all flavors. For instance, I am deeply attached to true crime podcasts from other countries, and one of the things that I love about them is how much I learn about the criminal justice system in Finland, for example, or the history of the Troubles in Ireland. They enrich my understanding of events and provide me with a ton of knowledge that I didn't have before. So back to what is happening right now, every night, in Portland, Oregon. As I write this, Portland, like many cities across the country, will be entering its 54th consecutive night of protests against police brutality and the murders of countless black, indigenous, and people of color at the hands of police for which they have not been held accountable. These are protests for structural change to a system deeply rooted in white supremacy. The organized police force, as we currently know it in this country, has its origins in slave patrols, and even farther back, in maintaining a labor force built on the backs of the devastatingly poor. Glossing over a ton of history for the sake of brevity, the disproportionate numbers of people of color in the criminal justice system and the policing of black and brown bodies to devastating effects has continued. The murder of George Floyd, which by now has been seen by nearly everyone with access to any kind of media, fresh on the heels of Ahmaud Aubrey's murder and the subsequent lack of charges that are attributed to the relationship between the alleged perpetrators and law enforcement, and the gunning down of Breonna Taylor by police while she slept in her own home, stokes this fire. But it has been burning for a long time, sometimes just smoldering and others flashing over for a time. These events have also occurred during a pandemic, which has disproportionately impacted communities of color in the United States. It is at a time when many people have lost their jobs or have been furloughed and actually have the time to commit their energies to fighting injustice instead of wishing that they had time to do something about it. In Portland, there are many protests every night in different parts of the city. When I see mainstream media coverage of the events here, it often only portrays what is occurring downtown at the Justice Center. 
That particular protest is definitely one of the more central and consistent events, but there are also nightly protests at Revolution Hall in southeast Portland and gatherings at the North Police Precinct, near the part of the city where I live. I am not going to go into the details of everything that has occurred over the past 53 nights because I couldn't possibly capture it all. Instead, here is a quick and dirty synopsis of some of the things that have occurred. First, these protests have been peaceful with a few exceptions. You don't see the peaceful protests because they aren't flashy or interesting in the way that we have come to expect our news to be delivered to us. There was an actual riot on May 29th. Other than that, if you watch live stream videos from protests night after night, you will see that law enforcement has used riot declarations and unlawful assembly rhetoric on nights when crowds were simply exercising their right to protest. They were gathered, they were chanting, and that is the extent of it. Yes, there has been vandalism and even some beloved landmarks like the Elk statue downtown have been destroyed. There have also been incredible murals and memorials set up all over the downtown area, which has been largely shuttered or boarded up during the pandemic. These get no coverage. I shouldn't have to say this, but buildings are bits of lumber and stone. They are not lives. Graffiti isn't always pretty, but it is not a crime that should be met with tear gas or quote-unquote less than lethal munitions. It has been. Multiple protesters have been injured, some critically, by tear gas canisters and rubber bullets. There have been dumpster fires, both literal and metaphorical. There was a small fire set in the unoccupied Justice Center. This is not awesome, but it is one thing that happened after countless nights of lawful protests. Two small fires were set on desks in the unoccupied North Police Precinct again last night. Again, these are isolated events in hundreds of moments of peaceful protests. The courts had to actually get involved to issue an order of protection to prevent police from intentionally targeting and attacking journalists. After city leaders decided that escalating police tactics were in turn escalating the tenor of the downtown protesters specifically, they put limits on the use of force allowed. It was no longer okay to just randomly tear gas crowds, which is what was happening. After the police use of force was limited by the city, federal agents arrived and simply took over tear gassing and firing munitions. Though the mayor of Portland made public noises that federal officers were not welcome in the city, it was clear by videos and independent journalists documenting the events that the Portland police and federal forces were acting in concert, coordinating sweeps and marches to push back protesters. This is a super simplification of events. There is a ton of information out there that interested folks can find, and I urge you, if you're interested, to look at alternative media and less than mainstream sources that are more focused on presenting context rather than quick video snippets designed to titillate. I'll include links in the show notes. A great resource that has provided comprehensive information about the protests has been Probably Media's daily summary of the previous night's events on the Portland Police Watch blog. The summary includes links reporting on contextual information and direct footage of the events they are describing. Another way to see what is happening is to simply visit the PDX protest Twitter feed to see videos of what is occurring. This brings me to why I feel compelled to address what is going on in my city. Over the last week, reports and video began surfacing of men in military regalia with no identifying badges or patches driving as groups in unmarked vans and grabbing people off of the street. 
effectively disappearing them for hours. The snatched individuals were sometimes leaving protests and walking home. At first, there was confusion. In our city, right-wing white supremacist protesters often show up dressed in army fatigues and carrying semi-automatic weapons. But these bands of men in camouflage were taking the victims they had grabbed off the street to law enforcement holding cells. These are the kinds of actions that one hears about in Soviet Russia, Argentina's Dirty War, China's coronavirus activism circles, Pinochet's Chile, etc. This is not what, the, what U.S. citizens expect from a government that is supposed to be of the people. The thing that made these street abductions more terrifying was that the mystery men wore no name tags and no identifiers on their uniforms to provide clues about what agency they were from. Over the last two days, national media outlets have discovered that at least a large faction of these troops were from the Custom and Border Patrol. Of note, the only border Portland is on is the one that we share with Washington State. Custom and Border Patrol are federal agents under the Department of Homeland Security. They were deployed here by the head of DHS with the blessing of the president to quell the quote-unquote violence. Instead, not only did they escalate violence by initiating it, they also began literally kidnapping people off of the streets. The word from the federal government has been that they are here to prevent lawlessness, which is ironic given the number of crimes against the Constitution they are committing. It was also said that they are here to stop riots, though news agencies as prominent as the New York Times has suggested that these Border Patrol police haven't had any specific training in quelling riots. All of this is terrifying dystopian stuff happening in a medium-sized city in the U.S. to U.S. citizens who are supposed to be protected by the Constitution and by rules put in place to prevent this country from becoming one ruled by tyranny. Now we come to the most chilling and threatening part of everything that is occurring. Multiple media outlets, starting with The Nation, have uncovered a memo that circulated in January 2020 that quietly declared that Customs and Border Patrol have been reclassified as a security agency by the Trump administration. What this means, in plain terms, is that all CBP agents, including the vanfuls of men kidnapping people off of the street, are now shielded from having to provide any employee information, including their names or other identifying factors. It protects them from Freedom of Information Act, or FOIA, inquiries, meaning no one can investigate who they are or if they have committed acts of violence. Federal troops who do not have to identify who they are or which agency they are from are snatching individuals off the street without cause. They are denying citizens probable cause and due process. In one case, widely reported by the media, they pulled the abducted person's beanie over their eyes to effectively blindfold them so they didn't even know where they were going. It was only after they were released that they realized they had been in a federal building downtown. Just pause to think about this for a second. A U.S. citizen was plucked off the streets and hustled into an unmarked van by a group of men in military uniforms. These uniforms had no identifying information on them. The men did not identify themselves. The group forced the man's arms over his head and used his beanie as a blindfold. After he had been taken to a cell, he was unblindfolded. It was only then that he was read his Miranda rights. When he requested a lawyer, he was led out into the streets where he discovered that he was at the federal building. 
this individual still isn't clear whether or not he was technically arrested. This is one of several instances of what is occurring on our streets. The reclassification of the CBP officers as a security agency raises the stakes of this already crisis situation. These officers operate with anonymity, which will lead to impunity. I am going to quote from Probably Media's coverage of this, which is in the source notes. Quote, combined with the lack of personal or even agency identifiers on many of the federal officers in Portland right now, this effectively means that the only accountability the officers have is internal. If an officer commits misconduct, not only can protesters not identify who they are, but press can no longer file a FOIA request to expose them. The only people able to hold these law enforcement officers accountable is their own agency." End quote. I feel like I shouldn't even need to spell out the irony that the protests across the country right now are in part because of a tremendous amount of lack of accountability across the criminal justice system. This should be alarming to anyone, no matter what your political persuasion may be. It has been posited that Portland is only a testing ground for how far federal forces can circumvent our constitutional rights to gather, to speak, and to protest. If successful here, the likelihood that these tactics will spread is high. These are not the actions we expect to see in a country that we continually, if misguidedly, trumpet as, quote-unquote, land of the free. These are actions steeped in tyranny and take us down a road to becoming a dictatorship. It is terrifying. It is happening in this city tonight and every night. We need to shine a light on what is happening here so that we can take action to save ourselves from further devolving. Yesterday, after news of the kidnappings by federal troops broke, protest marches happened throughout the city. Crowd sizes swelled at different events to numbers that haven't been seen since the protests first began 54 days ago. During the day, downtown protests hit sizes of around 750 people, while those in North Portland got up to around 500 people. What gets lost in all of this is that this battle against the feds has distracted from the original message that Black Lives Matter, that we can no longer accept that the current systems of policing in this country can be fixed without first being dismantled and then rebuilt. These issues are interlaced. They cannot be unwoven from one another. This is a battle on multiple fronts. But the origins must not be forgotten. The kind of lawlessness and lack of accountability that is taking the spotlight right now with the kidnapping of protesters is the exact lawlessness and lack of accountability that Black, Indigenous, and other communities of color have been decrying day in and day out since before George Floyd, before Breonna Taylor, before Sandra Bland, before Trayvon Martin, and on and on and on. I encourage everyone watching what is unfolding on the streets of Portland and across the U.S. to remember that the origins of this unrest lie in the fight against injustice. The origins of this fight lie in the belief that the color of one's skin should not be a death sentence because a person was selling single cigarettes or walking home from getting Skittles at the store or sleeping in her bed or being pulled over for dubious reasons. If a government will go to tyrannical lengths to silence this message, what does it say about that government? Thank you for listening. 
Darklands will return next Sunday. <laughs>